Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read a few verses. Thank you, worship team, so much. I love you. We're going to see in a bit as we're going to worship today uh, and enjoy this amazing Sunday. Online church, we're so glad you've joined us today. Um, I was just hopping online for a second on our online campus, and we're so glad you've joined us. And seeing your comments in there and seeing you jump in there and say good morning, we're glad you joined us today. And we're glad, thank you to the production team for making online church happen. And um, it's amazing what started as a setback became God, a way for God to show off. And now literally have countries around the world tuning in on Sunday mornings. Um, we have guests here today from New Brunswick that say, hey, we've been watching the last couple of years online. We're in, here in person today, and we're so glad you've tuned in. If you're, you're, are you at Luke chapter 15 yet? Anybody there? How many of you are waiting for the big TV behind me to show it? Every, okay, yeah, I know. I can see it in your eyes. Um, something about hearing rice paper change in church. I love that sound. I got one of these old school Bibles. That doesn't turn on, but you can't shut it off either. I love it. Luke chapter 15. I want to read a couple verses, starting in verse 1. Jesus is talking here in parables. Parables were stories with a point, stories with a purpose. I've learned as a preacher now preaching for closing in on 30 years of preaching. I know what some of you are thinking. You should be better at it by now. Uh, but closing in on 30 years, I've learned that when you tell stories, people pay attention. Jesus was the ultimate communicator. He had the ultimate message, and he knew that by sharing stories. And here, Jesus is sharing stories in verse 1 of chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. That line right there just wrecked me. I just love that line. For no other notorious sinners. Not just sinners, notorious sinners. And tax collectors. So really, there was really famous sinners and CRA employees. That's who was here at this point. <laughs> Love CRA, love, love them so much, but Jesus lumps them in with notorious sinners. So we have a few here that work for the government in the tax center, so just know that you're loved, and Jesus loves you. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on, before I get audited. Okay, <laughs> my name is Brian Little, if you're looking me up. Okay, <laughs> tax collectors and notorious sinners. I like that, notorious sinners. I grew up listening to a, a, a notorious B.I.G., but I never, notorious sinners, Christopher Wallace is, is B.I.G., but Mike Miller is a notorious sinner. I thought that'd be a great name for a church, wouldn't it? Notorious Sinners. You'd all go, wouldn't you? Yeah. Can you imagine a sign, Notorious Sinners Church? I, I don't know if we should do, but maybe the coffee, at least the cafe. If we ever get, when we get a building, we're going to have a cafe. Maybe we should call it Matt, Notorious Sinners. Should we do that? I think it'd be fantastic. Some of you, some of you see, the problem with some of you is you don't remember how bad you were. People in this room remember how bad you were. <laughs> We've seen your Facebook. You know, we know. And uh, sometimes I think we forget how much God has saved us. And I love this. It says this. It says, they came to listen to Jesus preach. I'm just saying, you're here listening to us talk about Jesus, so you might be a notorious sinner. I'm, you're in the right place. I know that I was a notorious sinner until Jesus got a hold of my life. And uh, if you feel like you're far from God, you feel like you don't belong here, you feel like, oh, you don't even know. You don't even know. I, got, I combed my hair and I did my best, but you don't even know. You're in the right place today. Jesus became notorious sinners, came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, gosh, he's at the cafe. He's even breaking bread. He's even eating with them. It's amazing how religion wants to separate us from the people that need Jesus most. Sometimes we've made it harder for people to get into church than people to get out of their mess. So thankful Jesus didn't act like that. So Jesus told them this story, story time. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave? Then won't he? 
Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents, who returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed. Today, I want to talk for the next few minutes on this beautiful Sunday, on this topic. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to take notes in church. Uh, I had the privilege of being in some services recently in other parts of the country, and the notes I take on Sunday helps me through Monday, Tuesday. If you're taking notes, write down this title somewhere, Worth It. Worth It. I want to talk on that topic today, Worth It. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, you were so good to us. I want to thank you for those that are tuning in online right now that maybe have never set foot in this church, or maybe they haven't come for a while. Father, I bless them today. I pray they'd feel your presence. Father, I'm thankful that they're here today. Father, I thank you for those in this room. Thank you that you've joined us, those that are notorious and those that are close to you. Father, you've joined us all together to hear you today. Jesus, would you speak today? Would I not get in the way? Would you speak through the worship, speak through the coffee and the lobby conversations? Would you speak through the message today? And Holy Spirit, would you come and do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, everybody said... It amazes me what some people will pay for some things. Um, I'm fascinated with real estate right now, not because I'm buying real estate, but I just love seeing how much houses, it's fascinating to me what people will pay for houses right now. It fascinates me what people will pay for certain types of food, what people will pay at restaurants. I remember hearing this quote years ago, uh, Oprah Winfrey, they asked her, they said, how did you know you were rich? They asked Oprah, because Oprah is very wealthy. They said, Oprah, how did you know you were rich? She goes, I knew I was rich, when I didn't have to turn over the price tags anymore in a store. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I am not Oprah. <laughs> I'm not even Gail, you know. Some of you didn't even get that because you're young. I'm not even Stedman. I don't have that kind of money. I do not have Oprah money. I'm not Oprah. I still turn over price tags. Um, I was recently in Ottawa preaching and had Maddie with me, and we went for a little shopping at the end of preaching and before we flew home, and we're at this, all, this mall in Ottawa, and she was picking up some clothes. And I walked in, and I needed some new Chelsea boots. I needed some new boots that I wear to church. And, and uh, the ones I had had a hole in them, and water would get in during load-in. And, and it just it looked bad. I need some new Chelsea boots. It's been like six years since I bought a new pair. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go buy a new pair. So I walked in this one store, and I knew I should have known before I walked in that this store was going to be a problem. Because it had like six shoes on the walls. You know what I'm saying? Have you been to those malls? Right? Like, I'm used to going to the places where, like, there's, like, happy faces and rollback signs. You know what I'm saying? But, like, this is one of those stores that had, like, six, you know, you know those stores with, like, six purses? Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Like, when they got six purses, you're thinking, okay, you know what the price is going to be. And I walked in. I remember walking, oh, these are really nice. I like these color of these boots. And I, I picked these up. I'm like, these are nice. And I turned them over. And you've heard that term, sticker shock. I was like, good Lord. Help me, Oprah. You know, I was like, good Lord. I was like, no, 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 sir. And I put them back, but I didn't want to look like I didn't have that kind of money. You know, so you look like you're still browsing, but in my mind, I'm already gone. Have you done this? <laughs> so you need to know this. Like, I, like I, I have money. We have money. But I have, like, Aldo money. <laughs> you know? Like, I got Aldo money. Some of you don't even know. Like, Aldo? Like, I, I, like usually it's H&M money, but when I'm splurging, it's Aldo money. I got Aldo money. Some of you aren't shoe people. Some of you are watch people. I got fossil money. I don't have Rolex money. Some of your car people. I, I have Toyota money. I don't have, thank you. 
I don't have Range Rover money. Now, I got really nice Toyota money, but I don't got Range Rover money. I didn't, so I, I remember walking out of the store going, I'm just going to browse for a bit so they think I have that kind of money. They're like, oh, these are not, I look like, well, these aren't what I'm really looking for. Meanwhile, in my mind, I'm already like, where's H&M in the mall, right? I got 60 bucks for, for some shoes. It amazes me what people pay for money. The shoes were not worth that price to me. And I realized that what you spend on determines what you value. When I see people spend their time, their talent, their money, their treasure, what you think is worth it is where you'll spend your money. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling three stories in this chapter. And there are three stories with the exact same elements in every story. Jesus says the same story, but he changes it a little bit. Same purpose, same point, same elements, just different stories. He tells a story about, um, he talks about a lost sheep, then he talks about a lost coin, and then he talks about a lost son. And in all three stories, something of value is lost. Something important is lost. Also, in every story, they do whatever they have to do to find what is lost. They spend their energy, their time. It's a priority. Nothing else matters except what's lost. And then when they find what's lost, they celebrate. In all three stories, something of value is lost. They drop everything to find the coin, the sheep, the sun. And when they find all three, they party. They call their neighbors, they call their friends, they call everybody, and they have a party. Why? Because they're celebrating something of value. They said, this is worth it. This is worth the inconvenience. This is worth the stopping. This is worth the searching. This is worth the, the, the um, um, being inconvenienced. And they said, this is worth it. And then they celebrate today. I'd like to propose to you a few things that I think are worth it. That are worth dropping everything to search for. I think they're worth everything, priority-wise. And then when they're found, and when you get to enjoy it, you just celebrate. Things I think that are worth it. Things I think that are worth it. First thing I think is worth it is you. You missed a chance to go, ah, there, ah. Yeah, you. I think you're worth it. I think you're worth it. I think you need to know you're worth it today. I don't know if you hear that enough. I don't think we hear that enough. I don't think we, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, it's not just an Atlantic Canadian thing. I think it's a people thing that we don't, you know, we give people their flowers when they've passed, but we don't give them their flowers when they're alive. We don't really. Mm. If you're not comfortable with a crying preacher, this is not the church for you. <laughs> and I cry ugly. It's crugly. Like I can't speak and cry. I'd never be a good televangelist. You know, I just, I can't do an offering and cry at the same time. So just know I'm working through that, but um, you're worth it. I don't know if you hear that enough. I want to remind you today that you're worth love. This has been a really challenging season for everybody. And, amen. And um, someone went down. It's Pentecost Sunday. You never know what could happen. You know? <laughs> Some of the blankets going that way now. If you don't get that, it's because you didn't grow up in church, and I love you so much. <laughs> uh, you're worth love. Not just love, divine love. I think we've cheapened the word love so much in culture. We confuse love with liking. We like posts, and we like, we like Facebook pages. And I think we've confused likes because you can unlike something. Come on, you can unfollow something. It's hard to unlove something. Love, divine love. I want to let you know today that you're worth it, and you're worth divine love divine love. 
Divine love is sacrificial in nature. Divine love gives more than it takes. That's the kind of love that you're worth. Beyond feelings, beyond convenience, it's a love that is committed, come hell or high water, that kind of love. I want to remind you today that God thinks you're worth loving. That God gave everything and he's committed to you, whether you're serving him or not, whether he likes you some days or doesn't, whether you acknowledge him or not, whether you're in the fields or you're not, God still loves you. I need you to know today that you're worth being loved. You're worth being loved. You're also worth forgiveness. So many people wear their mistakes like it's their worth. And shame, they carry it like a heavy backpack. So many people, when you get to, there's just, at first you think they don't like you. At first you think they're just, they're down. And you need to know them. They, there's so much shame on people. You need to know today, you are worth forgiveness. And we talk about forgiving others all the time. But I don't know if we understand that you are worth forgiveness yourself. You're worth forgiveness. God gave everything to forgive us, and he thinks you're worth it. In fact, in one part in scripture, it says, it says, love your neighbor. They asked Jesus, they said, what is the most important commandment ever in all of this? You've you got a lot of teaching, a lot of stories. You're saying a lot, Jesus. Can you just break it down to the exam? We need to know, like, we, we're having an exam on this. Can you just break it down? I just need the cheat sheet. I need to write it on an index card so I won't fail this exam. What are the two, what is the most important commandment? Jesus goes, there's actually two. He says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love him. Love me with all that you have. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbors as yourself. And part of the reason why I think there's so much division in our world, there's so much um, fracturing, and there's so much anger, and there's so much frustration with people, the reason why relationships have broken down so much, I believe, in this season, the reason why there's so much segregation and division and prejudice, the reason why there's so much wars and rumors of war, I believe the reason why we treat others like that is because we don't actually love ourselves. Because we're loving others like we love ourselves. And we are beating ourselves up. We are divided inside. We feel shame and anger and frustrated. In this season, I don't need you to be frustrated with me or angry with me. I get on my own case. I keep score of how good I do and where I mess up. And I'm battling that score in my head of things I shouldn't have said, done, or thought. And I carry this shame and I carry this, 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 this conflict. And I need you to know today that you're worthy of love, but you're worthy of forgiveness. You're worth it. And if we're ever going to reach our city and love them, we need to love them as we love ourselves. Today, I want you to just have the freedom and feel the release to let God forgive you today. And you need to forgive yourself. Some of you thought, I, 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 this last season really showed my real colors. I didn't pass. I didn't do as well as I thought. I, didn't, I wasn't the, the man, the woman. I wasn't the, in the, I wasn't the spouse I thought I was. I wasn't the parent. I wasn't the employee. I wasn't the employer. We weren't the pastors. We weren't the, the congregation. And somewhere in there, we hold this, this, this scorecard. Can I just let's let the weight off today? You ever carry a backpack too long and you take it off? You didn't realize how heavy it was? Uh, my prayer today is that you leave here. Know that you're worthy of love, and a part of that is you're worthy of forgiveness. Some of you need to forgive yourself and let God forgive you. Just feel the weight come off. Just cast it off today. You're worth it today. You know, you're worth it today because you're brilliant. I don't know if anybody's told you recently you're brilliant, but you are. I've been around people long enough, I realize that everybody's brilliant at at least one thing. At least one thing. Some of you are brilliant at multiple things. But everybody in this room is brilliant, remarkable, 
the best at at least one thing. If you're thinking I'm trying to pump you up today, I am. Yes. We have this saying in our house, for every put down, you need 10 put ups. Somehow you're like, you're going to wear that? You know, what did they do at the barber shop? You know, oh, that's a put down. We need some put up. You know, I feel like the world's been pushing us down for so long. I feel like our minds have been pushing us down. I feel like culture's been pushing us down. You need to know today that you are worth it. You're brilliant. Some of you, you're brilliant in hospitality. You're just brilliant. I see it in the lobby on Sunday. Some of you are just born. You're brilliant at conversations. You just talk to everybody. I'm not going to say names, Dan Manziel. You'll talk to anyone at any time. You just walk up. You'll just introduce people. You're connecting. Some of us don't know how to get in or out of conversations. We're just awkward. But some of you are just brilliant at conversations. You're brilliant. You really are brilliant. Some of you are brilliant at hospitality. You have a way of making people feel welcome. That is a natural gifting. You're brilliant. You know what candles to light. You know what to cook. You know what to say. You know where to meet. You know how to welcome people. You know how to put people at ease. Your house can be clean or messy, and you are just hospitality. Hospitality flows out of you. You're just beautiful at welcoming people into spaces and letting them lower their guards. You're brilliant. Some of you are brilliant at organizing. You have lists and schedules for your life and your, and your family's lives. You, you're organizing people's lives that don't want you to organize their lives. You know who you are. Some of you are looking, sitting next to them right now. Some of you, your spouse just organized your life. Do not raise your hand if that's your spouse, but, but wink at me with the eye furthest from that spouse right now, just so I know, you know. Okay, I see that eye, I see that eye, I see that eye. You see, you're brilliant. You take the confusing and the disorganized and the chaotic and you make order out of it and you are brilliant at it. Some of you, it's problem solving. There are people in this room, I'm looking at you, I know who you are, that when I have a problem, it doesn't matter what it is, you're the person I call because you're just brilliant at problem solving. You always know a guy. You always know someone. Like, I had a problem. Well, I know someone. I'll get them to stop by. Hey, I need some, I know, we'll figure it out. When I have a problem, I know who to call. Some of you are brilliant at solving problems and people come to you and you don't get weighed down by problems. You see it as a challenge and you're brilliant at it. Some of you are brilliant at comforting. Saw it a few weeks ago, even in our church, where someone was having a moment of grief. And someone else in our church just went over and put their arms around them. In the middle of music and coffee and people connecting and problem solving and organizing, someone was comforting someone in the back corner of this church. And I thought, that's beautiful. You need to know today, I don't know if anybody ever told you that you're brilliant, but you're brilliant. Some of you are brilliant at things that are very obvious. And some of you are just brilliant at following and brilliant at loving and brilliant at serving and brilliant at helping and brilliant with numbers and brilliant with computers and you're brilliant with music and you're brilliant with people and you love your kids' teachers brilliantly or you, you coach sports teams brilliantly or you've started businesses. You need to know today that you are worth it. You're brilliant today. God paid everything to free you. Just don't give yourself away at a discount price. Don't give away your purity. Don't give away your body. Don't give away your spirit. Don't give away your mental space. Don't give away your peace. You're not Walmart. Don't roll back the price. You're invaluable. Jesus is, is invaluable. You can't put a, a price on Jesus and God gave him for you. That makes you priceless. Hope you know you're worth it today. Number two, the second thing I think is worth it today is the church. Seems to be popular these days to devalue and degrade the local church. To be honest, pastors, many pastors have not helped with this at all. We've only made it worse. But I only know today that the local church is so worth it today. It's worth it. 
I am a cheerleader and a proponent and a builder, and so are you in the local church. You need to know I think the church is worth it. I, I don't know another community on the planet that does such diversity of connection. It's beautiful. It's so worth it. No other community like the church for joining generations, races, and differences, all walking out our faith together. I tell this often, my kids grew up in the local church. I don't know another community that my kids, when they were little, were comfortable hanging around teenagers. I remember, you know, so many people are like, those are big, bad teenagers when they're six and seven. My kids thought teenagers were their friends. Because generations of church teenagers, the young adults want to hang out with them. They don't understand the young adults are leaders and trying to help them. They think they're friends. Until they become young adults going, oh, right. This is work. Young adults hanging out with um, middle-aged and, and middle-aged and seniors and all beautifully together. I remember walking into church, the local church on Sundays, being seven, eight years of age, and seeing older people see me and high-five me in the, in the aisles and high-five me in the lobby and knowing I was loved, I was valued, I didn't see an age gap. I didn't see that, I don't know, that age. They're different people. I remember thinking, we're in this together. I don't know another community like the local church. Joining races and different backgrounds. There's such diversity in the local church. One thing we are celebrating is the diversity of our church. I don't know if you've seen the diversity that we're growing in, and we just thank God. We've been praying for it, and we're thank God for it. Not just diversity. So, and please hear me. Some people say we don't see color. I understand what they're saying. We see color, and we celebrate it. Because when I see color and background and different ethnic groups and different stories, it speaks to value and lessons and strengths. One of my friends here named Jesse, moved here, moved to Canada from the Caribbean years ago, and he has values and strengths that I don't know. I don't know what it's like to come into another country and navigate new schools and new friendships, new languages, new values, new weather. I don't understand that strength. Some of you come in here as newcomers. Some of you have come here from other parts of the country. Some of you have moved here from different parts of this province, and you have different backgrounds and different, different cultures and different languages. I was talking to someone on Monday night, they were so gracious. They're learning English, and they're, he said, my son is helping me with my English. And I, th I thought, how remarkable that you would come to this church and really endure hearing preaching from another language. That's hard to do, especially someone who talks as fast as I do, who doesn't finish their sentences or pronunciate. And I thought, what a gift to have someone come and go, no, no, I, I really want to be a part of this community. What a value we have as a church. The church is so diverse. I love the diverse connection, ages. I love that seniors are helping teenagers and teenagers are loving on kids and kids are comfortable around middle age. I love that there's diversity in our church. There's such a safe place. It's such an amazing place for growth and health and security. It's a beautiful thing. I celebrate the local church. I thank God we don't need to look the same, talk the same, act the same, but we are united in our faith journey and our differences come together under one name, under one banner to follow Jesus and to love him and to be like him and that's what draws us together, but it's beautiful, the diversity and the connection we have. I think it's beautiful how the local church smooths out rough, ed rough edges. You know, I, I meet people and usually they get older in their 20s and 30s and they can't keep a roommate, they can't keep a job, they can't keep a friendship, and I think sometimes it's because they've never committed to a community that helps smooth out those rough edges. 
If you're in community, listen, the reason why people are usually have such rough edges is they've isolated themselves. We're living in a day where people are so isolated. They find their corner of the internet, their corner of community, people that think like them, act like them, are just like them, and they stay in those corners, and they get sharper and harder and more jagged and more, and, and, and more edgy as they go. Do you know what really rough, smooths your edges? Community. The local, listen, you cannot be a big shot in the local church. I can travel and preach, and you can be a big shot. Outside, but local church will humble you real quick. People will tell you what they think and what they don't think. People that have the gift of organizing will organize your life. <laughs> Those with the gift of encouragement will encourage you to change. There will be brilliancy in smoothing your rough edges. But what's amazing is when you do community together, people smooth out your rough edges. I am a better man, a better husband, a better pastor, a better father, a better leader today because of the local church smoothing out my edges. I had this edge on me in my 20s. And some of you knew me in my 20s. I loved God and I was trying best, but I'm not where I need to be. But thank God I'm not where I was. And the local church, um, men and women, older men and women, people that love me, pull me aside and go, just, just a thought. Just a thought. Maybe you shouldn't go there with your humor. Maybe you shouldn't be that sarcastic. And it's amazing how the local church smooths down your rough edges. I love that the local church has a way of teaching us how to go in unity. People that have never submitted to a boss, never been in community, never, never been a part of, of anything like this, their edges get sharper the older they get. I want to encourage you, uh, the local church will really smooth you out. Dealing with conflict, dealing with disagreements, dealing with vision, dealing with trying to get people on board. I don't know any other community like the local church for smoothing out the rough edges on people. Truth of the Bible and diversity of community matures you really quick. And I'm so thankful for the maturing of the local church. Local church changes communities. This statistic came across my email uh, a couple weeks ago. They did a national survey and they did all this research. And in 2021, local churches in Canada, guess what they brought into the economy? They helped the economy in Canada. Just in one year, $6 billion into communities. Churches like us, small churches, medium churches, and big churches all across the country doing what they can. Local churches changing communities. Helping deal with problems like racism and homelessness. Helping with food shortages and counseling. Also creating safe places for people to do community and find their faith. Welcoming people. Solving problems in our communities. Changing communities. Strangers. I don't know another place where strangers walk in as family. And we get to introduce people, orphans, to their creator, their heavenly father. I don't know another community like this that changes so much of our cities. Lives are changed and it's beautiful. The other thing with the local church that I think is worth it, it's blessed. I, I can't describe it, but I can't deny it. The local church is blessed. It says in Psalm 133, it says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Then it says in verse three, for there, in unity of God's people, there is where God bestows his blessings in life furthermore. You need to know this. There's divine favor connected to his church. I don't deserve what I have in my life. I've, I'm, I'm old enough to know. I'm not smart enough, good-looking enough, talented enough, rich enough to have what I have in my life. But the favor and relationships and the adventures and the moments and the correction and the truth has all come through me, most of it through the local church and relationships. There is a blessing on the local church. It's difficult, the local church, but it's beautiful. It's broken in many places, but it is still blessed. It's worth fighting for. It's worth working on. It's worth investing in. God thinks it's worth it. Yes. So do I. 
God said, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm committed. If God builds it and God values it and God thinks it's worth it, so do I. And in a season where people are dogging on the church and degrading the church and deconstructing the church, we, are, we need to fix things. We need to change things. We need to renovate some things. But the church is worth it, and I'm here for it. So thankful for the local church. What else do I think is worth it today? Jesus is worth it. He's worth following, church. You need to know today that he's worth following. He's a serving king. I, need to, I, need to, I just need to stop on that sentence for a minute. Because some of you, you've been following Jesus for a while, but maybe you've forgotten why. You've confused Jesus and church. You can go to church and not love Jesus, but you cannot love Jesus without going to church, both online and in person. There's something about his community, because he's building it. But you need to know today that Jesus is worth following. He's the serving king. He's a servant. I love history, I love studying history, I love researching history, but every leader, every king, every queen, every dictator, anybody that leads a community, a government, a kingdom, a country, anybody that leads, it's usually the people for them. We hear the stories in our own government, in our own time of crooked politicians that have, 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 have patronage and got their friends' jobs and they've embezzled money and they've made laws to help their companies get hired by the government to make money. And we, we hear about it all the time about how really they see the people as serving them, as the people making them popular and them wealthy, not Jesus. He came to give his life. He's a serving king. When you read this story of Jesus, all you see is a man that never owned a thing, never owned a piece of land, never owned livestock, never owned anything. He never held a position in government. He wasn't looking for to be a mayor, a governor, a Caesar. He wasn't looking to be an influencer. He never owned, he never possessed a position. He never traveled more than 100 miles from his birthplace. Public ministry, just over three years. Yet this man served in such a way that time itself is, is divided on his life that governments and constitutions are based off of his words. Cities are named after his disciples. And we had this man who led by serving. He came to give his life away. He's the only king that died for his people. He washed their feet. He, he went before them. He took the beating so they wouldn't have to. He took the stripes so we didn't have to. He's a serving king. He gave it all and he leads it all. So you need to know this. He's also a king. He's a servant, but he's a king. Make no mistake, he is a king. Don't confuse his kindness for weakness. He's king. He is Lord of lords. He's king of kings, which means he has all authority. It's his name that changes conversations and rooms. All other, th all other names and people and spirits have to bow. He changes lives. It says in John 14, 6, Jesus said this about himself. I am the way, not a way, the way. There's a difference. We are a church, not the church. But he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's king. He has all authority. He changes things. Jesus changes things when he steps into your life. He is the way. He's direction. He is a bridge. In a, in a time when people are lost, going, I don't know which way to go, and who do I look to for advice? 
if I go online, it's Gary V. Maybe it's, it's Jordan Peterson. Maybe I got to go back old school and look to the art of war and go to, maybe I need to go to university. Maybe I need to look for uh, a pastor. Maybe I need to look for a spiritual guru. Jesus goes, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. I am the way. He is a bridge. Welcoming people going, no, no, come on, come on. Like you're where you, 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 you're far from God. You're orphaned. I am the bridge. I am the direction you're looking for. Cross me, join me, come into my life. Let me come into your life and I'll get you where you need to go. He is the direction. He's also a compass. Says the Lord directs the paths of the righteous, which means we don't need to wander aimlessly. We're at a season in our life. We're making some big decisions. I'm so thankful for wisdom with peers. I'm so thankful for the local church. I'm so thankful for mentors. But God, by his spirit, is a compass that leads us where we need to go. He is our true north. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not wandering and I'm not lost. Because he is direction. He is the way. Says he's the truth. He keeps the main thing the main thing. He corrects. He instructs. Seems like there's so much distraction these days. Jesus goes, no, no, I'm the truth. Well, what version of truth? Are you the Reddit version of truth? Are you the global news version of truth? Maybe you're the rebel news. Oh, I didn't think I knew what the rebel news. I know all about the rebel news. What's up? Are you, are you right? Are you leaning left? Are you red? Are you blue? Are you orange? Maybe you're the green. He said, no, 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 no. I'm the truth. You need to know today that he is truth. He corrects and he instructs. He won't lie to you. He's worth following because he's true. He's a God that elevates us and he also corrects us. And if your God has never corrected you, that's not a God, it's an idol. And I'm so thankful God corrects me. Just this last week, it's like, really? Okay, that rough itch. Hammer that thing off of me, God. And then over here, I'm like, really? I'm doing that well on that? He goes, you're doing so well on that. All right, thank you, God. Lift me up there. He's the truth. He's also, the Bible says, he's the life. So many people are busy making a living, they don't actually live a life. You might be able to go in and get those Chelsea boots. And so many people are making a living, but they don't have a life. Jesus is the life, both now and eternity. I need you to remember, we don't talk about this, it seems like, anymore, but there's coming a day where we will all die. I plan on going out in my sleep, driving 120 miles an hour, you know. <laughs> We're gonna die someday. And when you die, the Bible says, when you're absent with the body, you're present with the Lord. Eternity is very real. And he's the life, which means that your eternity, you can know we are going in eternity. He's also the life here. Came to give us life and life more abundantly. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. You can make the right choices, you can have peace. People are dying for peace. And you can have joy. That's, he's worth it today. We can trust Jesus because he's worth it. Today, church, I want to remind you that some things are worth the investment, worth the chase, worth the effort, worth the, worth, worth the time. And then when you find it, you celebrate. I'm celebrating you today. You're worth it today. We, we, talk, we brag on you all the time. Hope you know that you're celebrated. Hope you feel celebrated in your life. Hope people love you. Hope you know you're worthy of love, divine love. That go beyond moods today. Hope you know that you're brilliant. We celebrate the local church. It's broken, it's bruised, but it's God's favors all over. It's blessed and there's a diversity and a strength that you cannot deny. God's favors on it and God's church is on the move. Helping our city, helping lives, helping me, helping you. It's blessed. But you need to know today that Jesus is so worth it. He's so worth it. I don't know where I'd be 
without Jesus today. And some of you in this room, you need to remember where you would be without Jesus today because it'll cause you to celebrate, go, I'm so thankful I found Jesus. I'm so thankful he found me because you'll start to celebrate more. And I think churches need to be a place where people get found or people celebrate. Which one are you today? You need to be found or do you need to remember to celebrate what God's done in your life? I don't like setting up banners. Celebrate. I don't like unpacking trucks. Celebrate. I don't like having to get up on Sunday morning and drag my kids to church. Celebrate because God has found you and you found Jesus and it's worth celebrating today. If you haven't found Jesus today, I want to give you a chance to do that. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved, means that all you need to say is, I believe that Jesus is worth it. I believe that he died for me. He rose. He paid the price, so I don't need to be far from God. He is the bridge I need to cross over. If I follow him, I have life here and I have life in eternity. If you believe that in your heart and then you confess it by going, I want that. A miracle happens. And we're a church that believes it's worth introducing people to Jesus. He's so worth it. With every head bowed just for a moment, we're gonna sing a song in a second, but just you just bow your head for a moment, just for privacy. This is gonna be a really special moment right now. Right now, people have realized that they're worth it. Secondly, they're in the local church which has made them feel like family. They walked in, some of you are crying. You don't know why you're crying. That's the spirit of God. We hear that all the time. I cry a lot at your church. You don't think that's what you wanna put on the banner or on the website, come, you'll cry a lot. But there's something that happens when you get around God's people and God's presence, something starts to happen. And some of you are feeling it even now. You haven't felt peace like you felt in this room today. Some of you haven't been back for a while, but you felt peace in this room. That's his spirit just drawing you going, no, no, there's more, there's more. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna give you a chance to say, I want Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and put it right back down. That's it. And then I'm just gonna pray from the stage. And then we're gonna dismiss you in a moment. We're gonna sing a song. You're gonna have coffee. You're gonna go to the guest table and get your gift bags. If you prayed this prayer, you're gonna go. They're gonna give you a gift bag as well. They're gonna give you a Bible. But I wanna pray for somebody in this room today, on this day. Jesus is so worth it. He thinks you're worth it. He gave everything for you. He's a serving king, but he wants to lead you. You can trust him. With every head bowed, if you said, Mike, I want you to pray for me in that prayer. I want you to introduce me to Jesus. I want to know that my eternity is set, but also my life has purpose today. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Put it right back down. So many, so many. Can we all stand to our feet today? We're going to sing this song. I want to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you as a church, the local church, Local church is unified in diversity under one banner, one name, lifting up Jesus. We had a whole bunch of people today just say, hey, I realize I'm valued. I realize that the local church is here to help me and that Jesus is worth it. We're gonna celebrate in a moment. The Bible says that heaven throws a party with one. Church, I gotta let you know today, we got more than one today. So I think that other 99 need to just in a moment celebrate. But we're gonna pray this prayer. Would you all say this prayer with me? Not just the ones that raised your hand. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this out loud, but we're all gonna say it. Worship team, say it with me. We're gonna say it together because we're unified, amen? Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you that I'm worth it. Thank you that you love me. Today, Jesus, I choose you. You're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. You're worth it. I give you my life. I follow you. Come into my life. Change me. Forgive me and lead me. In Jesus' name, come on, amen. Can we celebrate today? Can we celebrate today?
We're going to sing King of Kings. Church, can we sing about Jesus today? Can we celebrate Jesus today? Can we not just do a patty cake clap, though it's so good to clap. Can we celebrate the God that rescued us, that bankrupted heaven, to gave a, 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 a priceless Jesus to die for us, which makes us invaluable? Can we celebrate today the goodness of God? Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the lives that have come home today. We love you, God, and we celebrate you. Amen.
prayed that prayer today would you like the guests guests go get your gift but when we dismiss there's a big yellow wall if you prayed that prayer would you just walk up and go i prayed the prayer and let us just bless you with a gift today we love you so much the coffee is free the coffee is flowing we're back here back here next sunday morning for church we love you so much have an amazing week you're worth it god bless